All right, everyone, welcome back to the Great Heavy Music Podcast. As always, Alex Peterson here with my trusty and beautiful sidekick, Phil Collins. Phil, say hi to the folks at home. Hello, how y'all doing? Still doing great, Phil. They're still doing great. I can't hear, yeah, I can't hear you if you answer, so. <laughs> just just wave your hand because we can see that. Hit me up on All the right. Facebook page. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We should say that. Good call, Phil. We got the Facebook page up and running. We got the Twitter page up and running. We got everything going. So let's get some social media vibes running around about the Great Heavy Music Podcast. For sure. And we'll make sure that all the bands that we are contacting and reviewing are followed on there too. So if you jump on to following at the Great Heavy uh, on Twitter or the Great Heavy Music Podcast on Facebook... You'll be able to see all the bands that we're getting in contact with. You'll be able to see when they're touring, when it, when they're releasing new albums, uh, all that great stuff. And I think that's a good kind of nexus for our listeners to make sure they're in contact and supporting <clears throat> these bands because that's a big deal of why we do what we're doing. Absolutely, come on there for new episodes and you know any information on any bands that we've been following or and reviewing. So uh, it's definitely the spot to go to. Phil, did you get anything uh, fun this past week as we? Took a break from our last recording. Um. Well, eh, worked out. That's about it. Not a whole lot going on right now for me. Just kind of grinding everything out. I went to a Taco Bell with my kids, and I was in line, and it was taking forever. And I asked the guy, I said, "Hey, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen?" And he goes, "Well, one time a drunk guy came through and ordered the whole menu, and I thought that was so great." I mean, I you got to be stoned a little too, probably. Well, they're just drunk. He's the guy said it cost him 183 bucks. Well, that answers a question I never asked, but may some, some, someday. <laughs> How much does the whole Taco Bell menu cost? 183 bucks, and the guy said it feels like six of their large bags. So it's and, and it was funny because my son is naive and doesn't understand really the concept of drunk. And he says, Well, what if the guy got home and then all of a sudden he wasn't drunk anymore? And he said, What do I do with all this food? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because, like, I love Taco Bell, but I'm like, that guy either didn't poop for, like, a week and a half or he pooped way too much right away. Complete like, so- splatter bowl. <laughs> Something just abominable happened in his bowels right I, after that. If I had to bet a meaningful amount of money on it, it went down exactly like this. He probably saw all the food getting put in his car and was like, oh my God, amazing, thank you guys, not understanding the concept of money. Then drove home and left at least three quarters of it in his car all night to rot. And I guarantee that he forgot a taco or two or seven in there. And it's going to stink. Definitely. Oh yeah, there's no doubt there's still some remnants in there. But I thought that was a great uh, little, you yeah, know, this little... Little gems in life when you're just spicing things up and you get something <laughs> right. special like that. Yeah, yeah, right. You're like, yeah, there you go. Glad I asked him that. Well, as as you've gone about your week, did you happen to stumble anything that's so metal? I believe I something I found pretty. So I'm going to tell you about it right now. So I was just sort of browsing for something good. Was, there were a couple stories, but one I found. It's pretty short, but man, okay, this guy. It's in the UK. According to Sky News, he he's in a car and he goes off cliffs and he survives. It's pretty miraculous. And then I read how far he fell, and I was like, I can't believe this. Okay, so so wait, hold on. So so wait, he 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 does this professionally as a stunt driver, or this was an accident? It's an accident. Okay, all right. And there's a picture 
and it's I can I can link to it on the on the Facebook page. Um, so it's a man is lucky to be alive after his car plunged hundreds of feet down a cliff in Devon. This is the UK, so I don't know where this is exactly, but it's not clear why the man's car came off the A39 and fell about 600 feet onto the rocks at Sillery Sand near Linmouth in the early hours of Saturday. And I love how they say this. But he was able to get himself out of the vehicle and stumble to the nearest property. (laughs) 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 I don't even think that does justice to just the the confused and painful navigation (laughs) through through the world this man was embarking on after this insanely far drop 600 feet <laughs> he basically fell off the side of a mountain right i was like i think that's so metal because you have to be made out of metal to survive that how the hell did that happen <laughs> dude that's exactly right you know the, the author's almost like patronizing him like he stumbled to the next <laughs> place as though he was some drunkard who just bought 180 dollars worth of taco bell but instead the guy's a freaking miracle <laughs> he is. It's like if this were a movie with like mutants, this like the newscaster would be increasingly suspicious this man was a mutant. You know what I mean? If this car company, I don't know, does it say what kind of car he was in? No, I don't believe it does. Let me look more. And let's not, for, can we not overlook how important that is? Because if I That's owned that point. car company, that would be my marketing campaign for the next 400 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How could you ever question our safety standards? Even though it's probably just a f- total fluke that he'd like survive no matter what he's in. But yes, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. I would jock that. This guy, yeah, 600 feet, beat that. He reached terminal velocity. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you're like, there's no. Right, please don't try to beat that, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I'm obligated to recommend you not attempting to beat that record. <laughs> He, he was falling faster than anyone could possibly ever drive, and he lived. <laughs> I just can't imagine. I mean, have you seen the movie Due Date? No. There's a part. Oh, maybe I did. With Zach Galifianakis yeah, and Robert Downey that. Jr. Yeah. And remember how Zach Galifianakis, whenever he gets stressed out, he just passes out, and they like go off this huge embutment, and they're flying in the air, and Robert Downey Jr. is freaking the fuck out, and <laughs> and Zach Galifianakis is passed out and just like limply floating in the car. Yeah. I, I I have no, I bet you that guy went through periods of both. He probably passed. I was gonna say both. Yeah. He probably blacked out and then woke up screaming and shitting himself, pissing his pants. Blacked out, prayed, woke up. You know, swore he'd never drink again. Like whatever it was. Six hundred feet. Like I mean, I guess he probably hit. I don't know if he fell straight six hundred feet and then hit something, or if he like rolled six hundred feet. Either way, horrifying. But he definitely had time to go through every kind of emotion. Like you could pot, like, and then probably double back and do them again. Like, ah, and then he probably just accepted it. And then he was like, ah, and then he, <laughs> then he probably accepted it. Probably passed out once or twice in there. And if this was like 150 or 300 years ago and it happened, if the, if vehicles had been around, he probably would have knocked on this person's door and they would have been convinced he was a witch to survive that fall and shot him right oh, in the I, chest. I, I'm convinced he's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, that's a freaking awesome. That's so metal segment. I can't believe that guy survived. God, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know what injuries he has. Hopefully he's okay. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a good one. <laughs> did, did they show a picture of his face after? He's got to be all it's fucked up. It's just the car, which is <laughs> it looks like it looks like Godzilla ate it. <laughs> like this, this bad. like this car is so fucking destroyed. <laughs> I mean, the tire's still on it miraculously, but <laughs> but man, holy shit! Wow. Wow, that guy. 
All right. Well, you're the man, Phil. So after we get off of this first break, since we're done our That's So Metal segment, we're going to take a look at the albums we sneak peeked last week, which was you picked The Silent Circus by the Between the Buried and Me band from North Carolina, and I picked for you 1184 by Vindir. And before we get into it, we got to do our usual rock, paper, scissors shoot. Have you had a chance to think about it? Uh, No, but I don't need one. I'm ready now. All right, well, let's do it. Ready? I'm I'm lying, but we're gonna do it. All right. Ready? All right. If you if you need if you need a chance to take a deep breath, I do not want a silent. Okay. I got a good one. I don't want to waste a good one, right. man. <laughs> That's fair. You're totally. It's, <clears throat> it's fair. All right. I got. Um, I got. I don't. One. I got don't, one. I'm ready. I'll, okay. Me. It's kind of a mo- right. nothing. Here, here we go. Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot, shoot. Anything, anything you want to do. do. Cinder Bruce block. Would you say <sighs> easy? Would you I say? said Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if a cinder block hit Bruce Willis, but I think the he... cinder block would break. <laughs> Bruce Willis. That's 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 like a Charizard in Pokemon back in the day when it was only 150. It was like a obvious. It's going to smoke everything except the water. Yeah, pool. exactly. That's why I said you can't go silent because I knew <laughs> I was going to win. With Bruce Willis. Are we talking like Die Hard era Bruce Willis or now? We're talking infantile to senile Bruce Willis. Doesn't matter, Doesn't matter what phase. He's such a beast. All right, that's fine. I'll give <laughs> All right, you got it. So I'll do your this album is what... first. Exactly. That's, see, that's why I, I'm so interested to hear what you have to feel about Winder because I was so confident about our last week's episode or last month's episode about Cormorant uh, Metazoa. I knew I was really, right. really confident you're going to love that one. And this one is a total wild card. I don't know how you're going to feel about it. So I, I'm anxious to hear first from you. All right, man. Cool. All right. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll take starting on the reviews. Awesome. All right, all you podcast junkies, I got a great sponsor this week I'm super excited to share with you. Awesome company with an awesome idea. They're putting an end to the jealousy that I see all around the outer rims of the metal pits and around the circles at the shows and all throughout the crowd. They have invented and niche marketed Thrasher's Weave. The Thrasher's Weave is a hair extension product that gets weaved into your own hair to give you the ability to headbang. It's no longer are you going to be standing around thinking, my hair is too damn short to rock my head as hard as I want to right now. And if I do, there's no hair that's going to move. And I'm going to look like a complete tool bag. Thrasher's Weaves got you covered, brah. They're going to get hair extensions all the way down to... They have three different models. They have the mid-back, just above the tramp stamp, they call it. They have the coccyx special, which is right down to your tailbone. And then they have the cousin it, which is like tops of the shoelaces. 
and then you can just completely fucking spin that head all the way around, grooving and grinding to whatever metal show you're at. And if you use our great heavy music podcast special, say that when you go to get the extensions put in, you get a 15% discount. So check out Thrasher's Weave and get yourself moshing and headbanging the way you've always wanted to. You're right, Phil. We're back. We're back from break. Thrasher's Weave. Great product. We're ready to go with Windier 1184. Let's jump into the first track. I'm going to butcher this, man. I mean, Todeswalser, I hope. Um, anyway, 2002 release. You and I were probably dicking around in home ec class in high school at 2002, right? Yeah, I think that. Uh, God, I think that's right. Uh, no, we I mean, had art. I know we had art. And to all right, that, so remember? we were freaking kids in art class just trying to pick up the ladies. <laughs> right, and it wasn't working. <laughs> I'm just Nonstop effort, complete failure. <laughs> all right, here it goes. Philium, it was your duty to review. Take it, take it, take the floor. Yep, absolutely. So I really like um, the the way that the synth has this kind of eerie, creepy um, sort of atmospheric uh, vibe, and then I like, I really love that the guitar does the same thing as the synth. Um, it's 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 layered, and uh, and I like how sort of intense the guy is when he's singing i like the tempo it, it reminds me of a couple songs i've heard before um in that genre it's just like an atmospheric black battle black metal band right so uh, i i think it's it, to me it jumps out as a, a more aggressive song than some of the others and i think it was a good opener i really like it i think it is it's like okay it this this kind of stuff i'm always really iffy on because um the riffs and the and the sort of all the notes they they kind of and if they do this on purpose but they kind of repeat themselves and over and over and over again to establish the atmosphere and if it's not really good as a riff it's it's it just does not keep my attention it's got to so I, like i'm like kind of a spastic listener and I, I like that this song um has such a good tempo that you can't really you can't really feel like uh it drags Okay, great. I'm glad to hear it. I was a little nervous that you were going to be disinterested or bored with it, but this has been an album I've sat with for many, many years, and just, I don't know, I always come back to it, in part because the story is so cool about it, too. So I'm going to get to that after we listen to track two, 1184, the title track. 
right, man. Um, that, this song is really good. Um, I think it's a top three for me. I like the it, eerie. It almost reminded me of a cir- like a circus music or like accordion. That dun, da, 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 da. I really like that riff. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like a good thing you liked it because it's there a lot. <laughs> it's on the whole <laughs> but, song. <laughs> but um, it, it it almost sounds yeah like it, it reminded me of or the accordion part sound like a little French kid biking to the deli or something. I was like, I like it's it's almost homely. I uh, there's a really nice scream. God, I, I hear that completely. I know exactly. I didn't think of that before, but now I can absolutely picture that. You know what I mean? Uh, it's got a lot of good blast beating and uh, um, really good screams, man. There's one at like 130 ish. That's like pretty. There's a lot of really brutal and good screams in this album, and um, it's like I don't always go for that, I guess. But when it's it's like if you're when it's you're listening to a band that's doing that and they do it really well, you're like, God, this, this is a fucking legit. Um, but okay, I wanted to say <laughs> that the the lyrics, I guess, are in like. Uh, I, I guess they're in Norwegian, I, and so I yep. so I went to Google Translate. So I was curious what you know what they were saying, and uh, <laughs> there's an unintentionally hilarious either mistranslation or I well I'll just say it's a mistranslation. Maybe it's not, but all right I'm gonna read it to you. Okay, <laughs> all right here we go. It says the summer 1184 Kingsfear went to hard countermeasures, drapey at the. Ivor Dape with Priest and follow-up hates greater. So a little bit of a mess so far. The greatest battle in the bourgeois war should now come to find the city. And here's the part that there's no way they meant to say that. Or there's, it must be a mistranslation from Google Translate. It says the greatest, or the hordes of men in armor with swords would still up in man's ass. <laughs> and, when <I> say, <laughs> and when I say man's ass, it's not like a word that you can like parse. It's man apostrophe s ass. <laughs> you know, somebody is trolling. Whoever posted that is just doing it to be a dick. I don't know, man. I mean, I was like, did I did I get the the language wrong? I mean, they're from Norway, right? So I'm like, <laughs> like up in man's ass. <laughs> Probably not what they meant to say, but I had to share that with you. Up in a man's ass while in armor, fully clad. <laughs> right. Some man's getting it right in his ass, sword wise. <laughs> Some unfortunate man. Very unfortunate. All right, let's check out track number three Dance of the Mortal Lust. This is a strong song. I, the The riff is so good, and it's so so fast. It is, yeah. And it's a. I think it's got like this sort of choppy tempo that I think is um, perfect for like moshing. And the screams are really good. And the 
the drumming is so good in this. I I like the song a lot. And it, it, towards the end, there's like a little peaceful part, and then it goes back into the screaming, and then there's like this breakdown kind of riff at the end, and it's just it's really good, man. This is one of my top three. I love this track. Yeah, it, that, that this one jumped out to me as really good. Um, I think I'd have to put it in my top three, although there, yeah, there's two others that I really like, but this one's definitely up there. All right, let's jump into the Spirit Lord, and then I want to give you a little more insight into the band to see if you know kind of the makeup of the band. <clears throat> Track four, the Spirit Lord. you take this one phil i think it's undeniable how awesome his eh! is i love i love that kind of stuff i really do because so, it's like why it's you can just tell he's so into it if you're the lead singer how cool would you feel just being like yeah on on stage you know i think from this from henceforth every time i need to clear my throat on this podcast i'm gonna go eh! <laughs> you should you should absolutely do that <laughs> It's my birthright. <laughs> I'll forget why you're doing that, and I'll be like, man, are you all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so what do you think of Spirit Lord? All right, yeah. Um, so I had a lot of notes when I was going through this. Uh, I like the, I said it was a groovy kind of riff. That's not really what it is, but it's um, it's a really good tempo. There's a little bit of a breakdown, and there's a part where he goes, Spirit Lord, or he like holds the Lord part, and it goes into a really nice solo. Um, there's some nice blast beating, and then there's catchy scent towards the end that goes into some pretty heavy parts. And it reminds me of like, kind of reminds me of Metallica's one, uh, right after the solo part for whatever reason. But there's a, the transitions in this song especially are seamless between like the slower parts and then the stuff you know the more upbeat stuff. And I, I you know, I thought it was uh, pretty damn catchy. This is a probably this is one of my top three songs. The the way that they hook you, you know, you have a traditional band that kind of does like a, you know if you think about an REM or just a regular rock band, right? They 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 sing the first part through and they don't really get to the chorus like they tease you on the chorus and then they come back the second time around that to me happens in this song they go through that first time through and it just kind of restarts without any change but the second time through they do a break into a bridge or a verse or chorus whatever you call that change and it just becomes so catchy because they changed it so slightly that it now hooked you yeah and there's a yeah it's this there's so many there's so much craftsmanship yeah to the the construction of these songs i think and so it's you can just tell it man you can just hear it and uh in in bands when they just they go that little extra step and uh it, that's the funny thing i want to say about this album there's a lot of subtleties to it that i think um you could actually probably miss on the first uh listen through you got you probably have to listen to this a couple times to really appreciate it well check this out did you did you do much research into the composition of the band itself I did learn something that I was going to use in uh, trivia, but um, I may not know then what do, you're going to do. Then do, do your trivia. Do your trivia now, and I'll see if I can, right. if I can hit on it. All right. 
Uh, mine's vague, but uh, okay, here we go. So one of these things is true. Just one of them. All right. Okay. Windir okay. translated into English means warrior dick. Windir is from Austria. Windir played their last concert in 2004. I uh, definitely know it's the uh, last one. It's got to be 2004. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because I already said they're from Norway. And, uh, I mean, Nor- Warrior Dick sounds silly until you read the man's ass lyric. I'm just kidding. I was going to say, that. yeah, that made it somewhat legitimate. But, yes, I, uh, I I knew that one for sure. But did you know anything about their front man? Yeah. Okay, so check this out. Guy's name was Valfar. Why did they play their last show in 2004, you ask? Rest in peace, Valfar. He died. Damn. That's crazy, man. 25 years old. He And get this, man. He was the one-man black metal. Uh, he did everything for the first two albums. This was their third album. The first two, he did everything. It was completely a one-man act. In On this one, he got together with a band that kind of uh, helped him do most of the pieces. But even still, on this album, he was responsible for the vocals, the accordion, the synthesizer, the programming. I mean, the guy is just was a monster, and it's super sad how he died. On January 14th, 2004, Valfar went for a walk towards his family's cabin, but he never arrived. Three days later, authorities found his body frozen in the storm, in the snow, oh. dead. Wow, that sucks. I mean, is there a more majestic way to go as a Norwegian black metal singer to fucking freeze to death? Yeah. I wonder though, like, why? You know, does that? Did he? Do, I mean, did he mean to go out there? I mean, and like, was he trying to? You know what I mean? Like, why was he? I don't know. I, I guess I was. I wonder how that could have happened. You know what I mean? But that's really sad. Yeah, really sad, man. So I, that's why I hope that if anybody listening to this hasn't heard of these guys, can kind of in his honor go and take a listen at least because I thought this guy was incredibly talented. And what a shame! Twenty-five years old, man. He could have been so mind-blowingly young. Right, I mean, he could have rocked out for another 40 years easy. Sure, yeah, I got you know. So, and I think of how dedicated you have to be to do two albums by yourself and do everything, right? That's everything. That's drums, keyboards, <laughs> percussion. I mean, anything and everything. A guy started from silence and ended up with a, a complete album on his own. It's incredible. Right. So, and it's well, it's like you know, it's not like a genre that's the most commercially lucrative necessarily. So that's just pure love for the genre yeah he had something so, to wow. say and uh yeah i'm gonna get more into that too after we hear the next one i want to keep us moving but it's really mm-hmm. a sad situation but next song is hydra
Yeah, man, the way that that synth goes into that scream is exactly what I would point to as to why this is a really great song. It it gives you everything if you if you if you're if you're in an atmosphere black metal or any black kind of black metal or any metal. Um, man, this is the song for you, I think, cuz it's just it's got everything you could want. It's uh, it's just it it's got such an upbeat tempo, but then it, it kind of drops down. It's got some legit brutality. The uh, the riff is catchy. I mean, you just cannot miss it. And it's sunny. Isn't the riff kind of like sunny and positive? It is. Yeah, it is. It, it's like upbeat. That's why that's why I love the oddity of this album because it's like the darkest kind of lyrical and and tonality to the vocals, but the music is actually uplifting and positive contrasted with it. I think that's why this album has always stuck with me. For whatever reason, I'm not that into like the super every element of it is dark, but I love the lighter music with the dark vocals. Totally, totally. And 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 there's a there's a, some screaming at the end that's so damn good. You, it, it's worth it just 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 to, um just for that part if, to stay through this uh, whole song. The only thing is, that I think you shave off a couple minutes. It does drag a little, but it's a great song. It is their longest, well, second longest on the album at eight eighteen. All right, let's let's jump into destroy. top three for me i think um really the the blast beating is i think real strong on this album it it just catches you man and just punches you in your face the whole the whole the, dr- the drummer has to have forearms of steel oh yeah dude i can't even imagine i mean it's why i was watching this little video of like different kind of blast beats i guess that's a more of a traditional or lazy as they call it but it, lazy is not the word i would use to describe it that's apparently that's what it's known as maybe but i was like wow um so and God, the lyrics in this are pretty insane. They're like destroy, it literally destroy all dreams, illusions, damned in fire. A hellish need for power is my dark desire. <laughs> I was like, so black. Yes, I mean, if you're gonna do black metal, man, you got to say something like that, right? So like, uh, I just think this band has a clear sound because you heard some keyboard in there too, and they they really stay on course. It's, I love it, man. And they're it's like when I think of atmosphere black, I think of stuff that's a little, even though it's kind of long, a little more progressive, a little longer, and a little more uh, focused on the atmosphere part. This is like if I had to, if I took Children of Bodom and made them into a black metal band. And from two thousand and two, I mean, this is way back, right? So, yeah. All right, let's track. Let's check out track number seven, the penultimate, second to last track, Black New Age. <laughs>
there you can kind of you can kind of hear again that kind of circus atmosphere in the background of the guitars and synth, but the guy's vocals are so heavy. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yep, I love how it takes that little extra that that little extra high pitch right before um, it starts over. But yeah, it's circus, and it's not the like. It's just funny because we have the silent circus coming up next. It's kind of a it, uh, funny coincidence. But yeah, it's it's not to belittle it. it it's uh, it's just it's like creepy. It's it, it really helps with the atmosphere. Yeah, and I don't know why, but you and I both have that same feeling that it's almost like a French circus. It just sounds like a totally yeah a pa- a Paris baguette would be uh, something you'd eat while you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I think and I think I you know it's trippy and really really scary trip probably, but <laughs> trippy nonetheless. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Not I, having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I would be bugging out for sure. I need to get a Taco Bell and get the whole menu. <laughs> All right, let's check out the very last track, Journey to the End. Okay. Phil, finish strong for us. What's All up? All right, so this is another uh, kind of grinder, uh, similar to 1184, with just that, that constant, over and over atmosphere building kind of riff. Um, and uh, it it's got a lot of different things that that um, that are in. It does a lot of different things. I'm trying to say, but the end of it is kind of cool because it just kind of um, just goes into like this synth sort of eerie uh, sort of realm, if you will, and it just kind of stays there. It doesn't really. It just that, that's how they ended. That's I was surprised by that, and I, I liked it. I thought that was kind of not as bold as in the word, but it just just sort of threw me a little bit. But I liked it. I thought it was kind of different. So because this was something that I was a little nervous, you weren't gonna necessarily love. I mean, how do you rate it overall? It sounds like you liked it, but is it relative to the genre? I mean, how do you personally? I, is this something? That yeah, you would, I would have to say. I, I would have to say relative to the genre, although I don't know if I could totally say that because I, it's not like I wouldn't listen to these songs. I would totally listen to like Destroy, like whenever, and I would t- it's you know I would go out of my way to listen to Spirit Lord definitely, you know. So I guess a little relative to the genre because it's it's not a genre that I usually go with, but it's not like I'd ever turn it down. You know, it's not like it, it wouldn't be misplaced on any metal like compilation if you were trying to put together some good stuff i mean you you know i'd feel like you'd have to have something from here on, on any list of great albums so uh so I, I i liked it man i i haven't listened to black metal in a long time but <laughs> uh I, I always liked it though i never had any problem with it so and I, the, the atmospheric stuff is what grabs me the most i i i don't know why i like that so much if if it was absent from this i don't know if i'd be as into it or you know but I guess that really helps, but I, I I think it's a really good album. 
Cool. I'm pleased to hear you say that because I was a little uneasy, but now that I have heard you say that, my thoughts are whenever I'm in the mood for this type of music, I always go to these guys. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of other in terms of Immortal and Black Dahlia and a dozen others. These guys just reached me differently, and I think it's because of the positivity of the music contrasted with the negativity of the lyrics and the, and the sound of the vocals, and it always has captivated me. So if I'm in the mood for this type of sound, I, I always go to these guys and this album in particular. But when you're just... It's got its own special place because it's, it's certainly not study hall music. It's not uh, you know getting together and watching TV and having on the background music. It's not... It's got to be in its place, right? I mean, sure, it's, yeah, it's thematic in a way. You have to, you have to be in the mood for it. I don't think, yeah, I wouldn't put it on for anything, but it's, it's, it's strong. It's, it's, there's a lot of talent that went into this, a lot of craftsmanship that went into it. So it's just a, it's a hell of an album. I think, I think any, anybody who likes metal should totally give this a shot. Sweet, sweet, awesome. You are the man. All right, now I'm gonna get into the Silent Circus by a band that I love, Between the Buried and Me, next. But I'm gonna give you a sneak under the curtain. I was not a huge fan of this album. Spent Uh-oh. a lot of t- Yeah, All yeah. Right, let's hear it. We're going to get into it. So, let's take a quick break and when we come back All we'll right, dive right. into the Silent Circus. Bam. Hey folks, it's your buddy Axeman Maniac. Totally normal and well-adjusted spokesperson here and I have a message for you. Stop me if you heard this one. You got a couple headbanging buddies over at your house. And you kind of overhear them talking about how your house doesn't really smell that heavy. doesn't really smell that brutal. It's easy to call yourself a metalhead, but if your house smells like fresh linen and roses, it doesn't really jive. Well, my friends over at Cannibal Candle have just the solution for you. It's an all-new candle company. They've absolutely exploded on the scene with their hit scents Serpent's Blood and Odin's Piss. And they're helping literally dozens of people like you get their homes smelling as brutal as a slaughterhouse in the middle of home guard and if you act now they'll throw in their all-new scent disemboweled heathen which trust me it's a deal i have at least two of them one in my basement and one in my other basement no more friends laughing at you buy now get disemboweled heathen and show your friends that you're a true metalhead Okay, Phil, we're back from break, and it's time for me to review The Silent Circus by Between the Buried and Me, and this is a band that you and I have both loved for a long time and saw live together in D.C., if you remember that. Uh, that was a great show. But let's, uh, let's dive into the first song, Lost Perfection, A Coolrophobia.
All right, Phil, I know I'm the one supposed to be reviewing this, but can you do me a favor? And, and I just want to hear your thoughts on that first track because I want to see what you find redeeming about it. Um, I think part of it is that it's interesting to me that it's, I think, a, a sound that Between the Bear and Me hasn't really had in a long time, um, probably since that, this album. I mean, once they jump into Alaska, they start to evolve a lot. And I think this is their last, kind of their first, only their second album, but sort of their last um, showing where they did that kind of purposefully gritty, distorted uh, four-way into brutality that they do there. So I think it's neat. And when I first got into the album, I just I, you know, I didn't have much to go off of, but I thought it was I, I thought the. Um, I thought the interludes were good. I thought the, the amount that it changed was something I hadn't heard, so I liked that a lot. Is it fair to say that it's the oddity that drew you to it? I think so. I, I, it's funny you say that because that's what that's what got me to like their first. The first song I ever liked from them is Mordecai on this album, and I thought that was such a strange kind of song, and it, I, it there's something like novel about it. I guess that that stuck with me. That sort of drew me in. So I yeah. Well, I I'm I'm gonna that. do something on a little unusual and play the next one without giving my thoughts on the first one because I lumped this uh, the way I reviewed this album the way it hits me is it's it's in sections it's very clearly to me divided into sections and the first three songs is a section and that's fine I was, I was gonna say I wouldn't even go with I wouldn't stop it too I would have I would put the first three in it because they're, they're it's kind of a blur. Yeah, and so let me play. Let me play like the first. If it's cool with you, Phil, I'm gonna play the first maybe minute of track two and track three, and then just address that first section as a whole. All right, so I'm gonna play uh, track two, which is B Enable Phobia, and then we'll play a minute of Camila Rhodes also. Oh, 
Okay, here's my thoughts on the first three, what I consider the first part of this album. Keeping in mind that I love these guys. I've seen them live. I love Colors. I love their recent one, Automata 1 and 2, I think are fucking great. I think this first three-track grouping is almost unbearable. Oh, man. I, I, I Yeah, I, I'm sorry to say it, but it, to me, it feels like... You know the the album Trout Mask Replica by Captain Beefheart? <laughs> no. But actually, okay. actually, I do probably know because you probably played it. Is that the one with uh, well, Full Moon Hot Sun? No, no, no. That's, that's when he calmed down. That This Trout Mask Replica album is where it's so disjointed and there are so many fucking things going on. It makes your brain itch and like your skin crawl and you can't just, you can't sit still to it because it's so, un, it makes you uncomfortable because there's so much going on and none of it is really in sync with each other and it's so disjointed. I know that's kind of what they were going for, and I get it. I understand it because what I'll talk about when we talk about the second section of the album, which I consider the next four tracks, those tracks explain it in a way. I think lyrically they explain it and musically they explain it. But it's just so... To the casual metal fan or just like an outside observer, it's everything that people who don't like metal hate. It's... It's loud, it, right? I mean, like, if this is something that you played for your mom, she would go, what the fuck is this? I mean, in, I, the only thing I'd say is she would probably say that no matter what between the Barry Me track I, from any era of theirs I played. But, yeah, I, I, it's especially disjointed and distorted. Um, but the re, I, I like it. I, I can totally mash my head to it. I think it's interesting because it's 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 a foundation for their approach to metal, and it's I think it's a good prelude into what they become because they go all over the place a lot, but they do it with a lot more seamlessness later on, later on in their careers. It's so much more polished now. This was I think you used the term raw in one other album review or at some point, and that's this. It's like. I, man, I listened to this album probably six or seven times all the way through to review it, and I just, every time I got through the first three, I was like, oh, God, thank God it's over. I, I just really struggled through the first three tracks, and I wanted to like it, and you know, the more you listen to it, just like any album that's complex, the more you listen to it, the more you can begin to identify with it and catch up with it, but th- this was like, uh, you know, I got a little bit of that, a little more kind of comfortable and familiar with it, and could kind of keep my ear to it but if i'm being really honest i just do not enjoy the first three tracks you son of a bitch i'm just kidding (laughs) that's cool man so now 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 though let's go into what i consider the second section of the album which is tracks four through seven and i consider this section really beautiful and it starts with mordecai which is that very obvious audible shift from the heavy to the pretty.
it's about halfway through Mordecai that I start to go, all right, uh, now I see what's going on here. N- now I see what they're really capable of, and they were almost doing the other shit just to show that no one could stop them, and they're kind of being rebellious. So yeah, no, it, it, this is a tantrum esque kind of. I mean, there's a this t- number seven. When you mentioned lyrically, explain what they were doing. I th- I think is probably the song that explains yes. the best. Dude, what ex- doing. exactly. I want to get there because I know we're going to be on the exact same wavelength. And, and the listeners should know if they haven't heard in earlier episodes, we do not discuss with each other prior to this recording what we yeah, think no. about the album. But I almost guarantee I know exactly where you're going. And I even have it down here that Chevenel take two and add yep. uh, Diggle Gulmet. Uh, those are the two that kind of wrap it around. So let me jump through reaction because it's only a two-minute song, and then I'll comment on Chevenel and add a Digglegumut. You get a glimpse of it there, but the, Tommy's clean singing is awesome. I mean, it's undeniably great. He just chooses not to do it too much. Okay, so let's take a look at track six, Chevenel Take Two. I could hear this song played at any wedding, at any time, anywhere, because it's about love and it's this heartfelt, really beautiful, clean, acoustic singing song with this nice atmospheric background. What what a great song in the midst of this chaos that was the early half of this album. Yeah, I, I totally, totally, man. It's, it's like a high school dance, just, uh, just a... And, uh, a, a sort of shockingly considering the album it's in uh it's sort of sentimental song ballad type song right right and it to me was i think if somebody's listening to this for the first time because of this podcast and they hadn't listened to us 
So say, for example, they heard the last episode and they said, okay, I'm going to go listen to Silent Circus before Alex and Phil talk about it. And then I'll see how I feel relative to what they say. I think they would be shocked that this was on here if they had no exposure to this band. They'd probably be like, whoa, where did this come from? Definitely, man. When I, and this is the first, um, I, I listen to some Kill Switch Engage and stuff, but when it comes to anything approaching death type metal, this is the first album I ever listened to. And so it threw me just through a loop, totally, when that, came, when that song was played. I was like, wow. Who got you, or what got you into this? Who I mean, 2002 was quite a while ago. Uh, 2003, excuse I me. I don't remember, man. I think it was... Uh, I used to, I go to this website called Game FAQ, Game Facts, and there's a, um, there's a metal message board on there, and I'm pretty sure somebody on there mentioned it. Okay. Yeah, because they're, they're going way back, and you know what I think is interesting is they had a huge lineup change after this album... And then, as I understand it, they've had the same, exact same lineup since then. So they they went through this high turnover from the first two albums, and then after that, and that and in my opinion, Alaska, and then of course Colors, which is an epic, and then the Great Misdirect and and uh, Parallax, and then the I'm drawing a blank on the name of the the Coma album. And then they had this most recent Automata, which one and two, a coma ecliptic and Automata one and two. They have just been really crushing it. So they've had this, the beginning was, you know, a little turbulent and now they've had a really nice long, like 11 or 12 year run of everybody being together. And it has paid off because I think their sound is way, way better. Their reach is huge. They're selling out huge shows. And of course you and I saw them on the colors tour in DC with, um, Opeth and Dream, Dream Theater, Theater, yep, on that Prognation tour, and that was fucking awesome. That was a great concert, man. Absolutely. So, it, I just thought that that was interesting. Yes, that they've had that that shake up at the beginning, and the music kind of reflects the absurd, the uh, choppiness of that, and then it kind of calmed down, and maybe the music has reflected that as well. So, let's let's listen to track seven, add a digugulmut, and see if. This uh, will if we match this and feel the same about this song. So starts heavy, kind of wanting to get you back to the first three or what I consider phase one of the album. But then it gets to this really, really beautiful section where he says, it all makes sense. We're capable of beauty through sounds which makes one cringe. The dogs only hear us now. And that section, 
probably like the third or fourth time through, I was like, okay, I get it. In in my mind, they're saying, they're explaining or they're vocalizing what the listener is feeling in saying, oh, it all makes sense. They are capable of doing something good. They are capable of doing something beautiful. And uh, in their mind, it's they're doing something as beautiful in the chaotic, cringing, crushing absurdity of the first part of the album. And only the dogs or, you know, a dog whistle or some specific uh, mind can hear us at this level. And that's kind of when I got, I was like, okay, they're doing this as a statement to show that to them, beauty is relative and anything can be beautiful. And all I can say is I could be completely fucking wrong, but that's what stuck out to me. And I would love to, and hope at some point get Tommy on here to tell us what he was thinking and see if we got it right. Is that what you were thinking too? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, um, that's probably um, one of my fa- that's one of my favorites between the Bear and Me songs ever, and uh, that lyric always stood out to me. Okay, and I I, I always kind of thought it was specific to that song because even even d- accounting for how chaotic the first part of the album is, to me that song is even more so. That song is so all over the place. Like it, I think even more than the first three tracks, and so I I, I always thought it was specific to the song. But probably not. It's probably it's probably uh, reflective of, of or descriptive of the first three tracks, and um, yeah, it's just kind of this statement that we, you know, yeah, we we go all over the place. We can do both. We can do whatever because it's it's some it, this the chaotic stuff's beautiful to us, and these softer parts are beautiful to others. Um, and but we're capable of both kinds or whatever kind. And I really love the guitar work on that soft part. This is my favorite track on the album. Yeah, that's a great one. I think for me, my top three are this one, Mordecai number two, and then interestingly, I really like the first part of the last song, the Need for Repetition, but we haven't gotten there. So let's let's go now. Now I consider that to be phase two of the album, where they lighten it up, they are insightful and beautiful, and then we're kind of back to phase three, which is the last three tracks of the album, where they get heavy again. But it's—I don't know if it's because you're—it's—it's it's worn on you, or because you've been desensitized, or because you've been calmed by the second phase of the album. But this back three doesn't seem as disjointed and chaotic as the first three. Do you? Do you? F- I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it is as disjointed. I think they're much more layered, or not layered, but they're much more formulaic. Uh, there's there's more of a structure. Yes, and you know, you almost—it's—I would love to hear them talk about it because they could very well come on and say, "How yeah, you guys are really way too deep, reading way too much into this album. It was just a bunch of songs that we liked." You know, they could very well say that, but but it doesn't feel that way. It it really does feel like it was purposefully set up in these kind of sectional waves, and then you know, from the beginning, they're saying, "This is a fucking chaos shit show. Handle it." Then in the middle, they're saying. Look, we can do it really beautiful. It's calm and peaceful. Get ready. And then on the back half, they're like, "Hey, look! Now we can actually put it together. It's heavy, but it's all in line. And it's you see what we're doing here. We're kind of easing you into it now with this last part. So let's take a listen to Destructo Spin. The what's this? The eighth number eight, uh, and two left after that."
I don't know if there's anything particularly identifiable because it's so heavy again, but there's no doubt to me that this album is uh, chock full of complexity, and this is another one of those songs, but it's more approachable. I would say, and there's a part at the end, too, that gets, it goes, do, 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 the way it's, it's really, I think it's catchy. It's stuck in my head, first time I ever heard it, um, and it's kind of always been a riff I just always remembered. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like we said, it's a lot more structured. If you're looking for a, a more, I guess, regular, I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but you know, a, a, a less chaotic kind of streamlined song from them from the early days, this would be a really good one to go to. Yeah. I think this is a better example of where they are now than where they came from. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at aesthetic. Okay, that, that introductory guitar deal and, and bass kind of combo sounds exactly like it should be on Colors, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. A- absolute preview of what's to come for their future on that beginning, very beginning. This is a w- like a lens into their, you know, their, the conception of progressive metal that they wanted, that they wanted to become. I, didn't, I did not dislike the back three tracks the way that I did the front three. I, if, if you gave me this album and started it at Mordecai and finished it on the need for repetition, I'd probably say it's a fine album. To- totally fine. No issues. Uh, but the way that it's structured right now, oh, you know. <laughs> I like that, man. It, that doesn't bother me that much. I don't know why. Um, I guess probably because I didn't know what to expect when I first heard them, and I never really even listened to anything that heavy. So maybe I thought that was, like, normal. But it, it just grew on me, and I never... I was like, oh, that's good. And that's interesting. You know, that's a funny perspective. Maybe because I've heard all of their much more polished, newer stuff, and then I'm going back to this, I'm like, ugh, where did this even come from? It's totally different. Yeah, if you have one, un, like, understanding of Between the Bear to Me and Your Mind, it's, this is... Definitely a bit of a culture shock, if you if you will. I don't have a culture, but definitely a shock because it's just so different than. In a way, and this is kind of a bizarre way to think about it, but it's almost like if I, uh, you know, really loved some actor or actress, and then you know loved what they did for their work, and then I went over to their their mom's house and they're trying to show me all these videos of when they were a kid. I'd be like, yeah, I don't really give a shit about when they were a kid. I just, I, <laughs> but but to them, they're like, you know, look where they started. They were a kid and then they were a teenager. And yeah, then, like this is all totally relevant to me. And you're like, yeah, right, right, right. So I'll get it. to you, you kind of have seen them mature through this process, and this is like a nostalgic part of it. Probably for me, I'm like, oh man, thank God they moved on from that that first you know beginning. 
uh, half right. of the album. All right, let's hear the... We won't get through the whole thing because this is a 13-minute song. The last one, it has, as you know, that kind of hidden track, which was common at the time. Manland. Yeah. So let's listen to the beginning of The Need for Repetition. Approachable is the word I want to use there. This is where they're getting into. It's heavy, but it's approachable, unlike the first three. So we round it out in phases again. First phase, not a fan. Second phase, love it. Third phase, completely acceptable. Not really super in love with it. Not really objectionable. Uh, Overall, not a big fan of the album. I think that last track is probably the longest they hold a riff. Don't you think? Don't you think that it would be amazing to be a band member at this time? Because, I mean, unless you had studied the album like a fiend, there was no way you could get up on a stage and fuck up and have somebody notice. That's true, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, man, because this album was the first thing I ever heard from Between the Barrier to Me. It's, I think it's their second album. There's an album before this. But uh, it's funny. Like when Alaska came out, I loved it. And then when Colors came out, I was like blown away that they were doing that. I was just like, God, this is so different. This band's really become something more, I think. And it was so it's it's kind of a great uh, sort of baseline. And then to see where they sort of evolve from. Because I think Colors is probably my favorite album from them. And it's just so different. But I, to me, I think you can hear, you, and you mentioned some of it, you can hear pieces of it in this, the pieces of that approach to stuff. And, uh, so I think that was definitely kind of and you know again I've said this before but I do love this band and I have tremendous respect for the guys that are in there now and specifically Tommy the lead singer uh, Tommy Giles Rogers Jr. He was also on what you and I both consider to be one of the greatest bands of all time Arion on this most recent album The Source Arjun Lucasen hit him up to come sing and how did he sing clean I mean it sounds beautiful um, it's an honest track called The Source Will Flow. So even Arjun Lucasen is seeing who I consider to be the, the godfather of all metal. Um, he is, or at least prog metal, he sees the value in Tommy and, and the guy has been around. So when you're on that type of level with Jorn and Hansi Kirst and um, the other guys that he's had. They got Michael Ackerfeld on Ac- there. They have- right. James Labrie. Yeah, perfect examples. Uh, the lead singer of Pain of Salvation, I'm drawing a blank on, is fucking outstanding. Steve Goddard, rest in peace. So yeah, they've had tons of uh, great, or Steve Lee from Godhard. Uh, they they have done an, an incredible job on assimilating talent, Arion has, or Arjun has, and to see Tommy get that 
recognition was super cool. Super, super cool. Okay, Phil, I want to ask you before we preview next week's recordings, tell me honestly, are you surprised by my feelings? Are you not surprised? Are you bummed? I mean, what was your, did you think I was going to like it more? Uh, I, I didn't, I really have any expectations. I really, I'm not, I guess you're kind of a, you're always kind of a wild card, uh, because of all, you listen to a lot of stuff. So I'm never sure if you're like, oh, this is kind of weak or this isn't as complex as I like or whatever. So I didn't really have any expectations, although I, I'm, I guess a little surprised that you were so put off by the first three, but they are, 